0: We're at FOSDEM 2019 this week having fun. We'd never leave you in a urge of course, so we have recorded an interview with Nicholas Sizing of the FreeBSD graphics team for you. Enjoy. Okay. BSD Now, Episode 283. Graphical Interface. View. Recorded for the 30th of January 2019. Hello, I'm your host, Benedikt Reuschling. And I'm Alan Jude. And Uh, as we mentioned, we have an interview and it's going to start right now. So, we have our first interview this year with Niklas Sizing, who uh, has been on our schedule of people who wanted to interview, but now we made it happen. So, welcome, Niklas. And uh, we have, um, of course, since you're the first time here on BSD Now, we have our very first question for you that we tell everyone. Uh, Give us a little bit about your background and how you got started with Unix and BSD.
1: Yeah. Hi. So, my name is Niklas. Uh, I'm an IT consultant here in Stockholm, Sweden up in the cold north and uh i s- started in unix and linux or unix in general and at the turn of the century i guess or a bit later when i got my first i got my first own computer which i could do whatever i wanted with and i've always had a computer interest and in, interest in this linuxy thing and so it was only natural to to try it out and I kind of stuck. So actually, when I started, I I was I I intended to try it Linux, but someone said, "Hey, you should try this FreeBSD stuff instead." And that was four point seven release, I think. And I tried that, and I liked it. And then I tried Linux, and this it was weird. It didn't do do it the way I was used to. So so I stuck with with FreeBSD. And Which since is then easy. I've tried. Yeah, exactly. Since then I've tried try them all basically. Well not all, but my day job involves a lot of Linux. So it's hard, it's hard to escape from.
2: <laughs> so how did you first get started working on the, the graphics stack and all the exports and so on in FreeBSD?
1: That was kind of an accident. Uh, I I start actually for FreeBSD I started working in documentation, which Benedict knows since he was kind of mentoring yeah. me about but then I took a took a course in, in graphics programming at the university, and I needed up an updated graphics stack with uh, better support for OpenGL and KMS and all that stuff. And this was back when an updated KMS graphics driver was floating around as a patch set that Kib was developing, and there was a there was a development development repository of. Uh, uh, of graphics stuff or updated graphics boards floating around somewhere. I think it was Mast and Martin Wilkie that was mostly working in that area. And I kind of thought, like, I need this. I'll pick out the pieces from here and there and put it together, run it in my laptop. And then I got more and more involved, like, oh, here's updates, this doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. So... So the, the ball kept rolling, basically. like doing more and more things. And since I was a student and perhaps not the best student in the world, I, I worked, could spend quite some time on it. And then all of a sudden, right after I got my doc bit, or at the same time as I got my doc commit bit, I got a message from IRC from either Coop or Martin, Martin saying, hey, here's your force commit bit. We're tired of doing this for you. Now you can commit it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing. And That was in 2012, I think.
2: And then I think uh, you kind of got away from it a little bit, and then we had uh, EuroBSDCon in Stockholm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of... when I, I So I I was a student, and I lived in Linköping. And then I moved back to Stockholm and got a full-time job. And I kind of... I didn't drop out completely, but I had less time than I had mm-hmm. as a student. So I, I kind of, I kind of couldn't work as much as I used to do, and there are some other priorities stuff. I mean, life happened basically. Yeah. And then, then it was uh, Eurobeasticon 2015 in Stockholm, and it was kind of I can't I can't not go to Eurobeasticon in Stockholm since it's a 20 minute tube right away perfect yeah and I kind of that kind of uh, got me going again so i got a bit more active and then perfect. i switched employer to a company called e3 init almost 2 years ago and that gave me some more time to or made me shift some priorities and i can work some more like this. Yeah, it actually right. a, okay. a bit of an interesting story about in it is that some of you might remember them as they sponsored EurobeastCon 2015 in Stockholm and mm-hmm. we hosted the uh, uh, We hosted the Dev Summit at their old offices. Oh, that yeah, was... Uh, that was
0: great. A lot of hackers in yeah. this very small office, but still it was yeah. an interesting atmosphere. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that, that was before I was employed by them. By them. but... Yeah. Now I am.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh it's a similar story for a bunch of people that you know, going to a conference gets you, you know, really excited about BSD or just helps deal with the sometimes you feel like you're working in a vacuum or whatever, whereas when you get in a room with all the people, suddenly uh you realize, you know, what you're doing this work for or what the value is or that people are actually using the stuff that you do on their laptop or whatever, and it, yeah. it helps make it feel like it's worth doing all the work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
0: sure. Oh, since Alan's mentioned uh, laptops, uh, can you tell us the current status with the FreeBSD graphics stack? Because I think a lot of laptop users are looking forward to that.
1: Well, it's mostly working, or it works mm-hmm. in my computer at least. <laughs> <laughs> there is mean, always issues in the... We're, I mean, it will probably not get as good as on Windows or on Mac OS X, to be honest. But, I mean, it's working, and we try, try to keep it working. There, there there, will always be issues. There will be issues with certain hardware and certain, certain combinations of hardware. Uh, but uh, I use FreeBSD as my daily driver on my... My laptop and to some extent my desktop, I think I have a Windows desktop, but I mostly used it for uh, for uh, computer games, to be honest.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was very impressed once we uh, did the current uplift that I went to Lenovo, bought the newest laptop, installed FreeBSD on it, installed the graphics drivers, and it all just worked. It suspends resumed. Um, uh, like hundreds of times without problems. Uh, you know, I think uh, one time at Cambridge, I think I showed you it did a funny thing where it didn't actually go to sleep, but it thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> but that only ever happened the one time. It was a fluke. Yeah, it, was, I, it was just I've, like the screen was still on displaying stuff, but the power button was strobing like it was sleeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> something something is fired, but I I haven't seen it on yeah. my carry. I have never I guess seen it the
2: second it. time either. Had bad like. Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking of suspend and receive my, well, no, it's it's mostly working. Uh, There is some weird stuff happening when you use a lot of swap space. That Mm makes my sometimes uh, it just freezes. Mm -hmm. But that's that's for uh, for another time. I think I haven't I haven't had time to actually look at what's going on. I just noticed when I'm using swap space, I used switch it off instead. No, it's Other than that, just working. Uh, we're working on getting better documentation, getting uh, sort of uh, holding down the rough edges a bit regarding documentation and what you need to install, and in uh, basically getting the experience a bit a bit smoother, so to say, mm-hmm. so that you don't need to. I mean, you can get it working, but so that you don't need to do all this work shilling mm-hmm. to get it working
0: yeah to get a graphical environment yeah okay so, so it's mostly up uh synced with upstream basically or is there some
1: gaps there is there are some gaps uh i just before around christmas i did a big push to update uh, the input stack so apart from lib input that's up to date then uh, there is a patch for Liban, but in our dev repo. Uh, other than that, Mesa is, I think, two two. Uh, you say two two bigger releases behind, and they they release quite often, so it's not as big of a deal. I think we updated in uh, during the autumn, mm-hmm. and I there are patches for this, and I hope to get them in during the first uh, first quarter out oh, 2019, that's the plan at least. And then the big thing that's lagging behind is basically the X server itself. So that's the next, next bigger thing that needs to be needs to be done and needs to be uh, ported and updated and tested and hopefully so kind pushed of, into FreeBSD ports.
2: Yeah, that kind of leads into the next question is uh, what challenges do you face uh, trying to maintain the FreeBSD graphics stack? Other than the fact that, you know, uh, it's a constantly moving target.
1: Well, uh, for one thing, it's, I mean, we're a small group of people and it's, I don't, I don't have uh, very much time to work on it. And uh, so that's one challenge is, well, time and developer bandwidth, basically. And uh, the other sh- the other big challenge is basically hardware support. There is so many different combinations of hardware, FreeBSD versions, of graphics adapters. And it's very hard. I mean, it's basically impossible to cover them all. So uh, we need help with people testing on various kinds of hardware. I'm trying to build up so that I have access to at least... Uh, some samples of Intel hardware and some samples of AMD or ATI hardware, but uh, but yeah, that's that, that's the other other big thing is is finding uh, finding hardware to test. And for instance, I a, had an example where a friend of mine had a crash, and neither of us working on the graphics stack and several uh we couldn't basically couldn't reproduce it so those was only happening on on my friend's mm-hmm. graphics adapter and no, none of the ones the ones we had
0: yeah that's difficult the rep- reproducibility yeah. of those once in a lifetime once in a full moon errors
1: well, yeah it wasn't it was a Even consistent is, crash yeah but only on on this specific hardware and I'm not. I'm not a kernel developer. I'm not doing the actual driver. Johannes Lundberg is, uh, so I couldn't just take my friend's laptop, borrow it for a week, and then debug it either, because I didn't really have the knowledge to to do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, okay, you mentioned the uh, the graphics team. Uh, how many people are on that? And uh, you mentioned a little bit, uh, but what kind of help could you need there besides testing?
1: Uh, so we're a handful of people. There is me, mostly working uh, the port side, and Johannes Lundberg, who is porting the the Linux drivers from or the graphics drivers from Linux, and updating the the Linux KPI to, to make them to make it possible to run the the Linux drivers with as little or as small changes as possible. And then there is another Johannes, Johannes Dietrich. Uh, He's maintaining or working with the graphics driver ports, the actual thing that's in the ports tree, mostly. And then there is a guy called Pete that uh, is helping me out in ports, and I'm trying to teach him more about the ports tree, and he's also writing a bit of... We're trying to keep our documentation up to date and things like that. And then we have uh, Warner Lodge is basically core liaison or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he helps us basically mostly with sometimes with messaging. He helps out hosting the our develop, developer meeting we have every other week. And generally someone that's been in the project very long, and also a lot of things in the project is on core, so it can help us if it's needed there. Mm-hmm. And then um, Matt Macy has done some uh, has, or is doing some work on Power PC 64, getting LinuxKPator on there,
0: some things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a handful of people?
1: It's a handful of people, but I think Johannes and me are those who work, who spend most time, and then the other Johannes and Pete are spending some time at it, spending but, some time at this well.
2: But it sounds like you could use more people that are ports, more people that are docs, uh, and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah it's more people that are ports, that know about ports definitely. Uh, it's also a bit of an onboarding question mm-hmm. because since we're so few it's, it's hard to 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 basically to to mentor people or to get people uh, kind of into the, all the yeah familiar with the exactly
0: yeah the mentoring takes a bit of time away from your normal yeah. work but it later on it works out great because you have two people then you and the, yeah. the other person who can
2: exactly. do the work okay uh, so shifting gears a little bit uh, you've been doing IS FreeBSD ports since, you said, 2012, Uh, and you ran a. I I mean, I've
1: been a a contributor since even earlier. I mean, I've been a FreeBSD contributor for over 10 years.
2: Hmm. Uh, And so you ran the Pudrer tutorial last year at EuroBSDCon. Uh, What kind of feedback did you get from that?
1: Oh, most of the feedback... the feedback I got was good. It it was, I mean, considering the number of people who attended the tutorial, it's probably something that's uh, that's very useful. And I think ports is uh, it's, it's a good way of getting people involved in the project. You set up a port or two. If it's small ports, it doesn't require very very much of your time, and then you can get more and more involved. And uh, if you're working on FreeBSD in your day job, perhaps you have internal software, and distributing that to to your systems using ports is or packages is a nice way. So it's useful for for that in, in for that use case as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's why it was such a popular tutorial because it kind of it sits at that cross section of people that actually want to work on developing ports and, and being able to test them, because Poudre is a good tool for that, but also sysadmins yeah. that just want to be able to deploy their package set with customizations to their servers uh, and a couple other things. And uh, you know, Poudre is also now growing the ability to generate uh, system images, so you can build pre-built VMs or uh, ZFS images using it as well, uh, possibly with installed packages even uh so I think it'll be uh an even bigger thing going forward
1: yeah and i i have some some loose ideas about extending the tutorial to a, uh basically to a full day or something like that but i haven't uh,
2: a full i haven't done, day.
1: done i i mean they're there's sp- but they're in the back of my head somewhere pitched out mm-hmm. currently uh but i th- i think uh i think having a perhaps not a full day but having like uh the because it was a there was a beginner's tutorial but having a more advanced ports tutorial where we perhaps don't talk as much about Pudir, uh, but go into more in depth about ports and dependency handling and
2: uh all yeah. There's always the new things going on in the ports tree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could do yeah, one on flavors, and uh, hopefully uh, by EuroBSDCon this year there might be sub packages and yeah, uh, all that. And so, especially if something new shows up in ports like sub packages, it'd be really good to have a tutorial there to help uh, porters get caught up on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see that in my tutorials. Like the first time I give a new tutorial, it's always like. I'm not sure how people will react to that, and then there's there's feedback, and then I do it the second time, incorporating that feedback, and then there's already an updated version, and then the third time, uh, it's already much more because you always get questions that you could put into slides or add more stuff that people are interested in. So yeah, the tutorials have their own uh, way of uh, <laughs> enhancing and getting better over the the course of their lifetime. Yeah. So, um, since we know each other, but uh, we also mentioned a couple of times on on the show here, we know that you are involved in organizing the Stockholm BSD user group meeting. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, what's involved in that, and how it is structured?
1: Yeah, so uh, BSD User Stockholm, I think I call it, is a is a meetup or user group for for all the BSDs. It's not not FreeBSD free specific, although I'm a FreeBSD developer. And, uh, it, it was something that was kind of been brewing in my head for a couple of, or, or for, for a bit before I started it, obviously, because I, the, the, the BSD community in Sweden and in Stockholm was kind of small. And I, f- sometimes I even felt like, I mean, I'm basically the only one i mean, where I know one other guy in, in the West of Sweden, and that's, that's you, and, uh, so it's been brewing a bit, and then uh, when I went, went to conferences, you met people. Oh, there is someone there speaking Swedish. I wonder who <laughs> that is. And I mean, we we hosted the in Stockholm, and there was some people interested there. And then when I switched uh, switched employer in almost two years ago, uh, I got to uh, I basically got to a place where where I could who was interested in me doing these things and where I could, where where I had a space
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I actually could host the events, not only arrange them, but host them. So that made it very convenient. So we had, have had uh, a bunch of meetups at uh, our, our uh, B3 Init's uh, offices in central Stockholm. And thanks to, to, to Init, it's been possible for me to to arrange them and we have had some place to be and we have uh, and it has provided something to eat and something to drink things like that and that's been very very generous of them and mm-hmm. organization ways it's i mean i guess i'm doing the heavy lifting i have some help uh, especially when while while the event is so to speak during the, the event evening so i get some some help with fixing food and opening doors, uh, because the office is locked, and uh the other surrounding that. And uh, so I have some help with one guy called Jakob, who lives here in Stockholm, and Janne Johansson, who was part of the uh, organizing team for Eurobeasticon 2015, is helping out a bit as well. And then, yeah...
2: So, do you have any uh, kind of recommendations for people that want to start a, a local user group like you did?
1: Just yes, do it. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have. I mean, you have to have some place to be, and uh, I mean, it can be as large as or small as you want. And preferably with some sort of uh, of a uh, screen, so you can have have presentations. But basically. Start, start up small. Uh, food and drink is nice, but definitely not uh, uh, mandatory in any way. You can have some uh, some uh, a meetup. You can have some things, and then you can go out like, have a drink together uh, at the pub or something. Close right? By. And,
2: like you can go as simple as the the Portland group and just be like, "Hey, if you want to talk about BSD, we're all going to go to this pizza place on the last Thursday of the month." Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you, don't, you don't even have to have computers to do it. Uh, and then yeah. once you've got a group of people, it becomes easier to be like, all right, we'll go get a space and set up a projector and actually have a meeting or whatever. But sometimes it's just as easy as everybody who wants to, we're going to go to this place at this time uh, and just get the word out.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Or like
0: uh, local computer clubs or universities often have uh, interested folks that, also, have the, the room capacities available.
1: Exactly. If you're, if I mean, if you're attending a university or working at the university, uh, at least from my own experience at the university, it was usually possible to to get a find a room somewhere where you could could have some people. And also, when hosting, I mean, having someone talk about something is 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 very nice and have some content. But just meeting up. Uh, and talk for a bit and you know get to know people in the area with common interests that's that's very good as well even if you don't have we have had some talks on our our meetups but uh, we also had, had interesting discussions and people used to having a drink and talking to each other
0: yeah it's like a mini conference
1: <laughs> that's happening oh, more often hopefully yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think it's also growing your your event. I mean, the first time it's always not sure how many people would show up, but uh, now that you have like third or fourth iteration, it's already a couple of people, right?
1: Yeah, I think we've been twenty, twenty-five people for the last uh, couple. And so we have had four or five meetings. I'm actually not sure when you say it, but I think it's. I think we have had four meetings. And it's been between twenty and twenty-five people for for the last two or three. For the last two, I think. Uh, it varies a little bit, and uh, one thing to remember as an organizer is uh, a lot of people will sign up, but far from everyone who's signed up will actually show up. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah, le- at, le- at least at, at least that's true. I'm using Meetup to organize it, and at least it's true there. So you kind of get a feel. I mean, remember the first Meetup I. I ordered pizza way too much, too much pizza. So we
2: have <laughs> piles of pizza. Yeah. yeah we have if pal- you
1: piles don't
2: order enough pizza, it. everybody will show up.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you kind of, I mean, you kind of, uh, after, after a, like one or two meetups, you kind of get a feel for, for how many people usually show up and you can order food based on that. Mm. Yeah. That's if, if, you, if, if you're getting food and drinks, of course.
2: Right. And you know, if your meeting is hours long or whatever, then if you run out of pizza, you can just order more. Yeah. But you can't unorder pizza.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well. True that. not anymore.
1: <laughs> so
2: anyway, I also remember... Go ahead.
1: Pizza, pizza, it doesn't have to be pizza. We've done uh, salads or salad bowls a couple of mm-hmm. times. Uh, having cold food is actually... Uh, It could be a good idea. It's easier sometimes because I can get it before the meetup starts, so I can have it ready and just store it in our office, Mm -hmm. and then I don't have to to be ready for when the pizza delivery comes. And if someone is having a talk, then well, either the pizza gets cold or everybody has to interrupt in the middle of talk and get pizza and stuff like that. (laughs) So there there might be a benefit to having uh, having cold food sometimes as well
2: uh so anyway, speaking of conferences uh Benedict has down here just to ask about uh what conferences you're planning to go to and where people might be able to get in touch with you
1: yeah so uh the first conference uh is i'll be at fastm mm-hmm. uh
2: for which Inter- is about, only, a, uh, couple yeah, which is only a couple of weeks away
1: yeah which is only a couple of weeks i don't know it's it's like two or three weeks uh so I'll be there, and we both at the FreeBSD Dev Summit, and I'll I'm uh, giving a talk on FreeBSD Graphics in the BSD Dev Room on uh, Saturday. Oh, excellent! I think yeah. I, th- I think the talk is on Saturday on, on the, yes. in the BSD Dev Room, anyway. It sounds good. And yeah, and uh, when I'm not giving my talk, I hope to go and see some other other talks, and then I will. If if there's anything like last year, I will be at the FreeBSD. Foundation table in the in the halls, mm-hmm. and after that, if you're kind of local to Stockholm, there's always the next FreeBSD meetup or the next BSD meetup in Stockholm, and it's in February, and we can add the date to the show notes, but <laughs> I, I I forgot it, and this time we will be in. Uh, uh, the, not in the B3 uh, in offices or B3 offices in central Stockholm, we will be in uh, southern Stockholm uh, wow. at uh, offices of uh, Ping Pong Aave where uh, FreeBSD committer uh, Gergen is working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: there's also FOS North I hear in April.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then there is uh, then there is Fast North in April, and uh, Fast North is uh, it's a open source general open source conference in Gothenburg in in Sweden in eighth and 9th of April, and uh, uh, so I will I will be there. I just got an okay from from my boss to go there yesterday or today. And preceding that, on Sunday the seventh of April, uh, there will be a uh, because F- Foss North are arranging uh, some sort of so, uh, are arranging a community day, community day on April seventh. So there will be so, be a previously event in Kaufenberg on April seventh. Uh the details aren't set. I'm not entirely sure what it will be, but it will, will most likely be some way of having some developers, some people working on FreeBSD and then showcasing the project to to interested people to try to to draw some some new volunteers basically.
0: Yeah, uh, excellent.
1: And this this uh BSD uh, FreeBSD event will be hosted in in the uh, B3 offices in Gothenburg. Hmm. Yeah, it's
0: always good to have new conferences on our calendar. I mean, we cannot go to all of them at one point. We have to be at home or <laughs> yeah, work. Well, but it's good to have new conferences yeah. and showing presence there. Yeah, so, so you you hope to, to, I, I hope, hope to...
2: Do you want to reach people that uh, don't know about the other conferences yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I hope to draw some people some of the people here in Stockholm and then hopefully there's some people in Gothenburg, they're, they're interested. And uh, if if, uh, if you're from further away and want to come, that's great it's great as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also planning for BSD CAN, if that's uh, on You've been there a couple of years
1: ago. I've been to BSD CAN almost three years ago, so 2016. Uh, I'm still I'm still hoping to go to both uh, Asia Beastikon in March and if there is an Asia Beastikon, and then uh, uh, Beastikon in in uh, May. But uh, uh, those are are still on the maybe list, although mm-hmm. yeah, I, still time. I hope to make them the Fosdem and uh, North are are in the you know confirmed. Yeah. They're fixed. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're fixed. <laughs> and then I will go to... If nothing were, nothing strange happens, uh, I will go to your in September. Oh, yeah, uh, this is uh, septem- in the neighborhood. In September, <laughs> in, this, in September, yeah. You could actually drive there. It's probably not too far by car. I, it's, it's drivable. I don't know exactly about... I don't know, 500 kilometers or something like that. Uh, I won't drive there because... I have no idea where to put the car afterwards. <laughs> I don't really have a car. So yeah, okay. it will no, be just... it will be either by train or by air, but it's still some time away, so I have time to, to make plans oh, yeah.
0: for it. Yeah yeah. It's uh, not far out from, from here on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we let you go?
1: Yeah uh uh, I kind of have to do this I or I want to do this I have to, to give a big thank you to my to my employer B3Init because uh, starting from well from basically the 1st of January but from from now on, and for half a year I'm actually getting some time, some paid time to work on FreeBSD. It's it's 2 hours a week it doesn't sound very much it's a great deal more than I've ever had before uh, so I have to say thank you to, to B3Init for that. And the plan is I'll do this, as I said, for the first half of 2019. And then uh, we'll do some sort, me and B3Init, it will do some sort of evaluation and and see what happens from there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, so thank that. you. Oh.
2: Pardon? Oh, I so said thank you to Anit for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah, thank you for all the work that you're doing uh, in the graphics stack and with the graphics team uh, going forward, bringing us the, the latest uh, graphics updates and all the other stuff that you're doing around the you know, the project here and there, if time permits. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, I guess it's soon time for a new round of realistic quarterly status reports so there will be a graphics reports in there detailing what's happened in the fourth quarter of 2018
0: oh yeah excellent uh, people are looking for those we haven't uh, gotten up to snuff with the, with the latest status reports but now that we have them back again in a new format uh, we'll try to keep it up in that yeah. way okay so yeah thanks again for uh, agreeing to this interview and uh, thank you <laughs> Since you see us every, I, I know you're uh, uh, listening to the show as much as you, uh, as often you can get the free time on Wednesday when yeah. we record this live. Um, so yeah, um, thanks again. And uh, yeah, see you around soon enough at Basnam. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Take care. Thank you.
0: So, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Nicholas. Uh, of course, we couldn't leave you with just an interview. We also have feedback and questions, three of them. And if you want to send us as well, then send it to feedback at bsdnow.tv or yes, uh, tweet at us.
2: No, yeah. It's at bsdnow.
0: At bsdnow. Uh, so, the first uh, is Casey with a TrueOS question goes like this, uh, it seems like the TrueOS website is vague on the improvements TrueOS makes to FreeBSD. I also can't find much in the way of documentation on TrueOS like I can find for FreeNAS. Uh, you went to the Telegram room linked on the TrueOS website and they seem to be confused as to what I'm asking about. When, I, uh, when you wanted to know about the current TrueOS instead of the older desktop version of TrueOS. The last update to the TrueS blog says that they are going to be releasing a community forum in about a week. Uh, That was written on the 6th of June, 2018. Uh, Do you have the inside scoop of what is going on?
2: Um, So TrueS now is basically just the vanilla FreeBSD with the changes they have, like replacing rc.d with openrc. Um, I I think they still replace openSSL with libreSSL um and the ports tree they use a modified version that has a lot different uh, defaults uh, more tuned towards desktop and have everything on except for when it doesn't work uh, rather than making lighter packages or whatever um as far as a form and so on I think they the plan changed there and instead there's the project trident website um and check that if you're looking for like the desktop OS Uh. But basically, TrueOS has gone back to what TrueOS originally meant uh, before they renamed PCBSD to TrueOS, which is the underlying operating system used to make FreeNAS. So it's their branch of FreeBSD with their changes uh, to support FreeNAS, and then a bunch of tooling that allows GhostBSD and Project Trident and anybody else who wants to, to build a desktop version of FreeBSD on top of TrueOS mm-hmm yeah uh, that's, so it's uh, their science experiment uh i don't know if they have an enumerated list somewhere of what they've changed it would be interesting to know that
0: yeah we'll definitely watch that and see uh how it's developing and i guess the link to the forums thing will disappear magically uh, at some point or in something. the future
2: <laughs> uh we'll have to poke somebody over there to make them clean that up or actually do what it says one of the two <laughs> Yeah,
0: I guess they watch the episode and <laughs> we'll make things happen. Okay, but it's definitely a good um, thing to know about that and having the distinctions there between the projects. Yep. Okay, I guess that's answering all that. Uh, the next one is Trials about uh, ZFS Send versus ZFS Send-R, the option there is important. Capital R. Um, capital R, yeah, that's also important. <laughs> So, he writes, hi, Alan and Benedict. I have a question regarding ZFS sent. In which situation would it be preferable to use the capital R option? To take a simple example of doing daily incremental backups to a remote system, in what scenarios would it be more optimal to do a ZFS sent and when would ZFS and dash capital R be preferable?
2: So, the dash capital R makes what's called a replication stream, which is basically just meaning recursive. It has all of the self-contained bits. So, if you have one file system you're sending, then with or without R doesn't really make a difference. However, if the data set has child data sets, the capital R will send the incremental for all of the data sets, not just the one. So for example, on my laptop, I have a data set called SVN, and inside of that is a data set for each project I'm working on when it's time to send all that from my build server to my laptop to go to a conference like FOSDEM, i take a snap a recursive snapshot so zfs snapshot -r of the svn directory called before Fosdem 28 or 2019 um, and then i could do zfs send capital r some other options and capital i the last conference i went to and then you know svn at uh the before FOSDEM 2019, and that will send not just the SVN dataset, but SVN dataset and all the other datasets that have that snapshot will all be bundled into one stream and sent over for me to ZFS receive.
0: Yeah, uh, capital R
2: also implies copying the properties, uh, so dash p and a couple other things like that. The other main reason to use capital R is if you're doing anything involving clones. So, normally, if you ZFS send a clone, it will send the whole thing and turn it not into a clone on the other side.
0: And a regular data set. can be useful.
2: If that's what you want, that's useful. But if you want to, you know, if you have a a data set and it has three clones and you want to continue to share the space of the common files, then if you do a dash R, it will uh, send only the differences from the parent uh, in the snapshot range or whatever. uh, And. Um, keep it as a clone. So uh, I guess for the clone case, it only really counts for the uh, the full send, not for the incremental. But yes, if you do uh, a full send of a clone without dash R, it will send the clone and make it its own standalone dataset. If you do it with the capital R, it will send uh, the other bit. And it, I think it depends on the parent already being there, uh, but you can send it separately or whatever. Um, but yes, so dash R... Has implications for clones and so on, uh, but in general, it it kind of means recursive. So it means not just the data set you specify, but that and all of its children. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully that clears that up for you. Yep. Typical whole sending one data example. set. It, if you're sending just one data set, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it would be the dash p for properties. That is one of the things that's implied by capital R that you might be missing out on.
0: And especially when you're replicating home directories, you also want to
2: get everything below
0: slash home. Yep. Um, so, that's the question about ZFS sent, And the next and last one is uh, about orphan packages from Matt Clark. Uh, that goes, uh, hi, thanks for the great show. Oh, Sure. Uh, You're welcome. I have a question about open packages. Uh, So when he upgrades from FreeBSD 11 to 12, uh, he runs a number of jails and uh, found that in his MariaDB 5.6 database jail, uh, the MariaDB 5.6 was uh, failing to start. And when he ran it manually, it failed to start due to missing files in base. And then noticed that the package uh, MariaDB 5.6 was not available. So updated to a newer version, which resolved the issue.
2: Yeah, Uh, so MariaDB switched Uh, to like 10.2 or whatever. Um, And I'm guessing possibly just because you went so long without upgrading uh, that you didn't get the the change properly. Uh, But also when they change the name of packages, sometimes this happens. Uh, So there's two ways to address that. You can set the origin of the old package so that when you do package upgrade, it'll upgrade it. uh, And it'll notice that, oh, MarioDB 5.6 is replaced with MarioDB 10.2 uh, or whatever. Um, but then we'll get to the second part of your question.
0: Yeah. Uh, the question, is there uh, a way to identify those orphan packages in the jails just in case there are more lurking?
2: Uh, so there is a way to identify the orphans, and I forget what it is off the top of my head.
0: Um, it's certainly an option to package... Uh, yeah, to so it's work with the jail package query i think
2: and there's a way to find uh packages that are orphaned yeah to check
0: all these uh dependencies and
2: the well I think it's to... mostly if um it doesn't exist in the repo anymore
0: uh yep um pack um and then query or package, yeah, so package query check.
2: Is a uh, complicated way to run queries against the database. Um, I know that Brooks package came up check. with this previously. No, package check is for checking the package that's already installed. Oh, right. Yeah, the ones you already have. Uh, I wonder if package audit uh, also would notice that. So you were live. We'll fixing have to that. Uh, maybe <laughs> get back to you.
0: Yeah, uh, or someone else knows and will and notify us. There are ways, because they thought about this problem uh, because of updates in in jails and systems in general, and put that into package. And there's certainly a flag to uh, cover that. But MariaDB in this case was special because they had this change that Ellen mentioned. But always good to have upgrades and newer versions, especially in jails, because uh, you want those on the... Uh, security side as well even though if someone breaks into those they cannot get very far but it's still annoying to clean up yeah someone would know Um, so uh, anything else we don't have from this question no I think we covered everything Uh, yeah I think that's about it so again thanks for watching this episode we'll be back next week from uh, our exciting trip to Fosdem, with a lot of information from the conference itself we gave a couple of talks there and we'll talk uh, talk to you about uh, everything that we learned everything that we uh, saw there and the people we met so see you next week